Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jeff Kageris with Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care. We've proudly served the Middle Tennessee community for the last 26 years, and I want you to know we really appreciate you. Having an annual comprehensive eye health and vision exam is so important to the health of your eyes. From signs of diabetes, glaucoma, and cataracts, we're looking for it all. Don't let another day go by. Schedule your annual eye health and vision exam at Cool Springs or Donaldson Eye Care. From the in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee, it's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. My guest this week is a friend of the practice, nationally known and international lecturer to eye doctors and president of Treehouse Eyes, a myopia management company, Dr. Gary Gerber. You've heard Gary talk with me before about the epidemic of myopia that is encompassing not only the United States but the world and our treatment methods and therapy methods to minimize the growth rate of myopia. But today, I want to talk about something that is also international and appreciated by all people. And that's music. You see, with this podcast, I always tell you that we're going to talk about eye care, healthcare service, and the experience we all deserve when we go to any doctor, but also things that I'm just interested in. And in addition to all of the facets of Dr. Gerber's optometric background, he has some other passions, and one of those passions is music. He's a tremendous rock and roll keyboardist and uh, and has a big passion for music, and I want to talk to him about uh, playing keyboards and talking a little bit about music. If we could do that, Dr. Gerber, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Jeff, uh, one of my favorite topics. That's my most favorite topic outside of eye care. So thanks for having me on. So, um, when did you first start playing and what type of instruments did you play at that time? And do you play now? So, I uh, started took classical piano lessons when I was, uh, seven years old. My dad was a jazz drummer. And I wanted to play drums like my dad mm-hmm. and, uh, and he played professionally. And my father said, don't play the drums because there's a lot of stuff to carry and you'll be the first guy to show up and the last guy to leave. <laughs> um, so play the piano because every place you're ever going to play at has a piano. So you don't have to was, carry it was, with you. huh? Yeah. So that was, that was his reasoning. I, you know, as it turned out, that was uh, pre digital everything. And now the drummer is probably the, got the easiest gig and the keyboard player's got to carry the most stuff. So, <laughs> um, that's how I started. Started uh, in a cl- classically trained, uh, then trans- over, transitioned over to jazz, pop, and just kind of went, went my own way and wound up playing rock. Hmm. So did you have a band early on? And if so, what, you know, what was that? And tell me about some of those early forays into playing for people. Yeah, first band, like a lot of rock guys, was literally a garage band in a garage in New Jersey. Then uh, when it got cold, transitioned to a basement band. Uh, mm-hmm. That would have been around uh, sixth, sixth grade was my recollection of the first first one. Uh, first gig that I did was uh, seventh grade, um, outdoor barbecue. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I got, I got paid a pair of... Uh, keyboard cufflinks <laughs> that it paid me, <laughs> uh, which I, I had for a long time and I lost them, but that was mm. my, my first payment. Um, 
And uh, yeah, from there, just the bands got uh, not necessarily bigger, but certainly better. Uh, you keep keep playing, you keep up in your game, you keep practicing, putting the time in, start networking. Uh, lived in North Jersey my entire life up until two years ago, and it's kind of kind of relevant because just like Nashville is a really hip music scene now, uh, North Jersey was and still is a hotbed for rock, which you wouldn't think, hmm. but the reason is, um, back in the seventies and eighties, when rock was really in its heyday, um, all the recording, most of the recording was happening in New York city and rock musicians, even though they did really well, was pretty expensive to live in New York city still is. So they lived in North Jersey or Long Island or Westchester. So they lived like in a circle outside New York and that circle happened to be where I was. So I was fortunate just to meet a lot of really cool guys mm-hmm. and uh, kept in touch and got involved with like everything else in life with networking and who do you know and a lot of music circles and showed up at a lot of live gigs. Back back then, the way you got gigs was you would record yourself on a cassette tape. Uh, you'd go up to the stage and you'd throw cassettes up onto the stage and hope somebody in the band picked it up. I actually did that at a Three Dog Night concert in Passaic, New Jersey. Really? <laughs> yeah, I went up one of my cassettes. I obviously never heard from him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, mine was one of like 60 cassettes. <laughs> uh, Interesting. But that, yeah, that, that's, that's how it was done. Is it is it true that a guy named Clarence who played the sax and a guy named Springsteen who was a vocalist came and you just didn't think they, they would meet the cut for your band? Uh, not exactly, more oh. the other way around. <laughs> um yeah, I, I did play at the Stone Pony, with the diff- yeah. which is where Bruce got his start, down mm. in Asbury Park. Yeah, iconic rock place, and still still there. Still there? Uh, well, pre, pre-COVID it was there, uh, which is when I, yeah, I played there uh, probably four years ago, five years ago. Wow, worth a detour uh, if you're traveling up in that area to go listen to music there? Uh, yeah, depend- they they have all kinds of music. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a primarily 80s rock guy, is my personal sweet spot what i like but they have everything down there so yeah it's 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 worth it mm-hmm. uh as uh, asbury park which is the town it's in is really just a pretty hip town it was pretty ratty back in the day when uh bruce was playing there and, mm-hmm. and, and i was a kid but they really cleaned it up yeah so it's, it's a great it's a great area you can see the jersey shore as we call it or mm-hmm. the shore if mm-hmm. you're from jersey so the um when did you decide all right this keyboard thing this is great i love it but i'm gonna pursue optometry instead and <laughs> play play this on the side yeah it was kind of uh getting back to my dad um yeah he was he, he was cool and his his advice which was great you know, now that i'm older was keep keep playing but don't make it your main thing like do it as a hobby and have fun with it um and that was instilled in me pretty early and i actually uh started school as a as a keyboard major Hmm. Um, and, um, I was in Indiana university music school, uh, super crazy, hard program. Uh, and I honestly think that I probably shouldn't have gotten, and I, w- I was probably the last guy that they went in. <laughs> I have a feeling. And what, what happened was such an intense program. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't really put the time in and putting the time in, yeah, you know, it can be literally six, seven hours a day of practice. I mean, it's 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 tough to play at that level, and I was really starting to hate music because mm-hmm. um, that's all I did was practice. And you know, you're 
you're freshman in college and all your friends are out there partying and you're sitting in a you know, closed rehearsal room all day working on scales. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I just uh, dropped out of music problem. My, my dad was really happy <laughs> that, I, that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I kept playing. You know, I still wanted to play. You know, kind of once you get the bug, you got to you got to keep playing. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm glad. You know, glad I glad I stuck with it. Obviously, I was playing in college. That's how I paid the bills. Uh, had some really great gigs when I was in Bloomington. Played in a lot of different bands. I played in you know, back then. It was anything that, that for for beer money and tuition. So yeah, yeah. Played rock, country, western. Summer times. I had the, I had the greatest summer job ever. Uh, back in Jersey, I actually was the house pianist at the Playboy Club. How's that wow. for a gig? Wow, something I yeah, didn't know about cool. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a lucky one. And the, and the best story I have there was remember. Let's see, that would have been uh, early 80s, 79, 80 maybe. I uh, remember we had the gas shortage. We had odd even days for gas. Yeah, flags yeah. and all that. Yeah, all okay, so that was, Yep. Yep. So that was the summer. So I was driving a. Uh, Eight-cylinder, sixty-five Pontiac Catalina that probably got like seven miles to the gallon, and I was an optometry student uh, in New York. I was living in New York. My parents are in Jersey, so on weekends uh, I would take the commuter train to North Jersey, my parents' house. I would take their car. I guess it wasn't my car; it was their sixty-five Pontiac. Drive up uh, an hour and a half to the Playboy Club. And do the show, and I got up there, and I remember when all the gas stuff was going on. He called my boss. Um, I finished. I finished the Friday night thing in the restaurant, and he goes, "I'll see you tomorrow." And I said, "Yeah, and I, I, I'm not sure if I can come back tomorrow because I've got like a quarter of a tank worth of gas, and I got to drive home and I got to come back. And if I can't get gas, I can't come back. And it was like legit. I mm-hmm. wanted to come mm-hmm. back because I needed the money. And he goes, "We well, want to stay here tonight," and I said. Well, I can't afford a room because we got plenty of rooms because you know not too many people were driving up because of the gas prices. So what I did is it was, it was great. Every weekend I would leave SUNY Optometry and I would <laughs> drive to the Playboy Club, play Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, and drive home. And I'd be out studying physiological optics by the pool with Playboy bunnies. How was how was that? And that made me almost want to stop. Like, well, why, why am I going to school? I can do this. I, I would imagine that's like, you know, this. I want a third career here, right? Holy cow. Yeah, that was uh, pretty, pretty. So, yeah, I uh, have fond memories of the gas crisis. It was the best thing ever I happened would, in the country. <laughs> Tell me about a famous musician that you've played with. Somebody really stands um, out for you. Yeah, I've, I've had, you know, I've been, I've had some bucket list stuff, man. I've been um, really super fortunate. Guys, I've met a ton of guys mm-hmm. being on the road. Um I've, I've hung out with the guys from Def Leppard. Um, yeah, just kind of like otherworldly for me being an age rock guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that I've actually played with, probably the most famous was one of the singers from Deep Purple and Rainbow, who I, I still, other than COVID, nobody's playing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Lynn Turner, um, I'm his keyboard player. So it happens with a lot of these 80s bands, uh, Deep Purple and Rainbow. Uh, the band kind of, like if you go to a like a three dog night show now, there's like one dog left. Right. right. You, go to, <laughs> right. you go to live. You go to a Little River Band, which was nine piece band. There's one guy left. So that's that's common. So now Joe uh, goes out as Joel and Turner. He was a singer in Deep Purple, and I'm his keyboard player. So it's been awesome because that actually his music, Deep Purple and Rainbow, that 
literally was like my favorite. That was in your wheelhouse, Keyboard right? stuff. Yeah, that was like, I, when I was a kid and I was playing at the barbecue, so when I grew up, I want to play like these songs. Like, this, this is what I wanted to do. And now I got to play with the guy, which was really kind of cool. So on the uh, all-time favorite artists, idols, or influencers, are there a couple that stand out there that influenced your your uh, playing style or career? Yeah, you know, for for keyboards, you know, the uh, Yoda was was uh, Keith Emerson. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would dispute that. Keith Emerson, Rick Wakeman, those progressive guys, um, those guys are just aliens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you've never seen the seen the YouTube videos, Google Keith Emerson spinning piano, and um, you know he's strapped into a grand piano that's spinning around like the Z axis. I mean, unbelievable. Hmm. So like. I don't know how he's doing it without getting vertigo and throwing up, you know, let alone playing. And the other thing with those guys, there are things called sequencers that are used a lot now, uh, which are which I don't use because it's considered cheating in my brain. But it's a way you can play. Just <clears throat> let's say you want to play a passage like uh, uh, eight uh, uh, eight notes in a row, like uh, you know, do re mi fa sol la ti do. You just do that. You play it once. Mm-hmm. You put it inside the sequencer. And the computer can take it away from there. It can, it can play over and over. It can speed it up. It can play in different keys. Well, when you hear those guys, and that's a lot of what you hear now, when mm-hmm. you hear these, these crazy keyboard solos, it's not, it's not actually a person pushing down the keys. They pushed it once in the studio, and then the computer took it from there. When those guys were playing back in the day, every note that you heard, they were playing. That was them. Live. When do you like, think, when do you like think flawlessly. that? Yeah. Wow. When do you think that kind of started to change? Was there a, a point where there was a definite difference between, oh, wait, that guy's using a sequencer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's when they got what called MIDI keyboards, M-I-D-I. It was uh, probably late 80s. I okay. uh, started hearing all kinds of string pads and synthesizers. You think, you think of the uh, uh, Frankenstein by Edgar Winter, which is a pretty yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah. So that was... And that was a real synthesizer playing every note. Um, hmm. And then you hear some of the stuff that's out there now. And there's like, there's a kid sitting in his, you know, bedroom with his Mac, just creating notes and not playing it. Like, so it kind of, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating. Um, it's just, well, you know, the kind of solo rocker. I, I don't think rock and roll is dead, like Gene Simmons said by a long shot, but it's certainly, uh, it's, needs to be revived. <laughs> so for sure. a, such a progressive entrepreneurial guy like you, you're very much a traditionalist when it comes to the keyboard playing and rock and roll bands, right? Yeah. Like I like, uh, you know, I have, I have modern keyboards, uh, no question about it. Cause one of the things now is that traveling and, uh, nobody's going to pay to have a spinning piano anymore. You know, it's, so that, that's not going to happen. So, what I do now is uh, I can my, my favorite all time keyboard player ever was John Lord. He was the keyboard player for Deep Purple. That's why I said when I got the gay was like otherworldly. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I actually remember talking to talking to Joe, the singer, uh, when he gave me the gig, and I said and I said to him, "Look, you know, I'm I'm like blown away that I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. Uh, I'll, I'll be ready for the first show. Don't worry." But I said to him, "Look, I." I can't play like John Lord. I said, I want to let you know, like before I show up for an audition, Mm -hmm. like I'm not John Lord. And he gave me the best answer ever. He said, nobody is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that really took a lot of pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I said, okay. And he, and he's right. And nobody can get that sound. So what you do now is you can actually get the sound sample where you can get his sounds 
get close to him because um, he was a real innovator. But they're really classic '80s keyboard sounds, so I can get those. But I but I got to play the notes, so I kind of stole the sound mm-hmm, as he invented. Mm-hmm. Um, Because that's what people expect. They see Joe up there and they want the Deep Purple sound. So I I got the sound from him. So I didn't create sound, but I got his notes. I'm playing what he played. And it's, yeah, it's totally, totally fun. Gotcha. Let's talk about a few people that we as lay people that, you know, not a musician myself might say, oh, well, these these guys play the piano. And I'm just interested in maybe a couple of thoughts if you have any on them. So somebody like a Billy Joel, what do you think of when you... Hear him play piano, man. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, Billy Joel, Elton John, love those guys. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all different, man. They're uh, in, in, you know, Billy Joel and Elton John. When you go to those shows, they have keyboard players. You know, so Billy Joel is a pianist. Elton John is a pianist, which yeah, you know, this is how I started, mm-hmm. and I still mm-hmm. prefer playing the piano. Um, uh, guys like Billy Powell, Leonard Skinner, you know, it's kind of like yeah, I love yeah. that sort of stuff. Uh, so yeah, those guys—they're all—they're all different. Billy Joel is a—they're—they're uh, they're great pianists, uh, great songwriters, both him and Ellen. Um, even even uh, there's some underrated guys that mm-hmm. people don't think of. I mean, you think of Freddie Mercury, a singer from Queens. Mm-hmm. He was actually a decent rock out player. <laughs> his, mm. his, his his singing was so good that people kind of forget that he could play the piano. Yeah. Um, yeah, those guys. I I look up to all those guys. You know, someday when I grow up, it'd be nice to, you know, kind of be like Billy Joel, Roll and John, right? <laughs> so you got to you got to got to keep practicing to do it. So one of my favorite songs in college was Burton Cummings' "My Own Way to Rock" when he was on his own after leaving the Guess Who. Um, oh yeah, great. Good, good yeah. keyboard guy. Or oh, okay. he's great. Nah, he's he's great. Uh, I listened to some of the chord changes on Stan Tall because he's still playing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's a guess who? Great, great band. Um, yeah, there's there's so so many guys that are out there, and yeah. and what's kind of cool, uh, there's so many guys that are behind the scenes, like studio guys that play on like everybody's record, and nobody knows their name. Those are the guys that are really like mm-hmm. I'm really totally blown away by, um, and it's not taking away from the from the other guys. Mm-hmm. But there's so many like behind the scenes studios that just never get together. And that's for every instrument. That's kind of like there's a yeah, there's a drummer, for example, Kenny Arnoff, who plays with John Mellencamp. Uh-huh. And he's played with everybody. I mean, he's on any pop rock record seventy eighties, any big band, he probably played with them at least once. And like who who knows John Mellencamp's drummer's name, right? Other than a guy like right, me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's well, kind of the way, isn't that the way Billy Preston did for with a bunch of Motown groups? And then he, for every one that then breaks out on their own and, and at least develops some sort of a name, they're about 50 to a hundred right. that just stay in the background and make a nice living and do, do no, their thing. No right? question. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's your favorite song to jam to, to play? You're on your own, you're at home and you just want to, you want to jam out. Do you have anything uh-huh. that you always go to? Yeah, so you know, after all this rock, I'm going to give you an answer. Won't make sense, but I'm just going to sit down and play the piano. My mm-hmm. favorite pianist ever, my dad turned me on to, was Earl Garner, the guy that wrote Misty, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, old old jazz piano player. Just had a really unique style, big chords, flourishes. Uh, so if I just want to sit down and play, and nobody's around because people say I never heard that song before, and like really, you never heard Misty seriously. Um, yeah, and he had a had a bunch of songs, but I, I love playing things like that. Uh, if somebody says to me, you know, like if I'm not by myself, and somebody says, "You know, play something," I'll probably play some Elton John, uh, uh-huh. just because I know that I 
Uh, everybody plays piano man. So I, and every, every pianist has their own version of piano man. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll do that. Sometimes I'll play some, some B side, like Billy Joel's got a cool song called root beer rag, which is fun to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is yeah. Almost like, uh, like the theme from the sting sort of yeah, thing, like yeah. Scott Joplin thing. That's the same album that um, angry young man was on. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. 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 Turn, yeah there's, turnstiles, there's, there's, right? Uh, could be, yeah, anyway. could be. I, I can't, he's got so many, like I say, he's a great writer. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep him straight. Uh, yeah, there's so many, it's, it's really hard to pick, but usually you can default to Ellen or Billy Joel and you'll, you'll, you bring the house down, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you try. Um, I'm, I, I, I haven't done that. I, I leave that to the front man. Yeah. The keyboard player, the guy that I play with, um, I'm smart to know that they're coming to see him, not me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the the sound is an important part of the band, but you know we can play some of these places we played. You get thirty five hundred, five thousand people. There's probably other than my close, you know, my six close friends who I got tickets to, and nobody knows who the keyboard player is, but they all know the singer. Mm-hmm. So, which is mm-hmm. which is fine. I'm just like I said, I'm humbled to be there and, and participate. Well, listen, I want to thank you, Dr. Gary Gerber, um, who's the president and founder of Treehouse Eyes, for sharing something outside of eye care, just sharing your knowledge, your love, your passion for rock and roll, keyboard players, and great music, something we all can relate to. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, This is your host, Dr. Jeff Kegris. This was As I See It, or this week maybe should have been called As I Hear It, talking with Dr. Gary Gerber, a music lover and outstanding keyboard musician himself. Dr. Gerber, Gary, thanks for joining us on As I See It. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye.